Well, good morning. Um, so just a couple of things before um, we pray again. Um, David uh, contacted me last week at the end of last sermon since I was doing a two-parter that we would move it up this week. Um, so I could just uh, build on that. The other thing, too, is if you're brand new at Acts Church, um, whether you're brand new watching online, and, and folks, do we real? I hope we all realize that the people that are hearing the word of God are not the only people that were seated here right now. We know of one person in Miami who watches the service every week who went to Honduras with the Honduran team. I know of many people when they're looking for churches, they stumble across Acts Church and then they come here. We need to realize that in our technological age, God is getting his word out. And so this morning, if you're, if you're new or and online, if you're new, I'm not, the, I'm not the normal teaching pastor. That is Pastor David. He and his wife are in um, somewhere in Europe. Um, last time I checked, they were in Scotland. Um, you got to say that right if you're going to say Scotland. Um, and Scotland is full of Scots. Um, and so keep them in, their, in, in um, your prayers and everything. They will be back uh, five weeks from this Sunday. Um, David will be back up here sharing the word of God. And the reason why I say that is um, always, you know, um, check out some of the sermons that, that Pastor David has done. I, I can honestly tell you that I, I would not be standing up here um, is it, if it wasn't for some of the things that the Lord has led David to teach that have impacted my life. And I, I'm not just saying that. So he'll let me preach again. I, I'm actually, because it, you know, if I was lying, that would be kind of disqualifying. Um, I'm saying that because it's absolutely the truth. And, and those that are here, um, you know, it is a privilege and an honor to go through this journey together with you as we see the day approaching. And we know that we live in times, and Scripture's clear about the end of the age. There will be a falling away from sound doctrine at the end of the age. But we're told, do not be dismayed, but look up for your redemption draws close. And as we see the day approaching, we must hold fast to the word of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, Lord, I just pray that uh, you will show forth your truth and get this speaker out of the way. Father, I just thank you so much in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, open our ears. I pray we're present in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, the other thing, too, is if you are new, I get sometimes I get a little bit passionate about what I do. Um, it's just part of, I, I always liken it to my Irish descent, uh, uh, my Irishness. Um, and I always tell that to my students the first time that they come in the class because sometimes they're like, Whoa, he really is excited about it. What? I have no idea, but he's excited about it. Um, and the other thing, too, is I want to just say this. Um, when I talk to, to students in the classroom, I always say, does this make sense? I'm going to try really hard not to do that this morning. But you've got to understand I'm coming from one speaking thing to another. And I often do that because I'm trying to instruct and does this make sense? And then they raise their hand. So anyway, let's begin. 
I don't want to, I, I want to be respectful that you're all adults in here and I'm respectful of students. I just making that transition. Okay. Sermon part two. I want to open it up with John 10, 10. Jesus said this, the thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now, in that scripture, Jesus is stating that there is a thief that will come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the enemy of our souls. His power is in lies. He's the father of lies. And last week, I made the point that all lies go against the character and attributes of God. I am firmly convinced that is true. And as a result of that, the more that we understand the triune God, the infinite God in all of his attributes, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is three but yet one God, the more we understand and grasp that in this life, the more we put everything in context. We are finite creatures, which means we cannot understand meaning in this life if we don't have context. If we've lived long enough on this earth, we know that we need context to make meaning. I'm going to argue that Jesus Christ is the only context that will bring true meaning to life because he is the truth. Anything else is a context based off lies. Now, Let's go ahead and let's begin. The diagram that I, that I showed you last week is standing in Christ. And if you look at that, um, a person that doesn't know Christ is standing in this life without the context of Christ. That is, I, I'm going to be honest with you, that's a scary place to be. Now, if you want to be inside the circle, first you need to accept him as Lord and Savior confess your sins, cry out to him and ask him at the, you know, say, Lord, you died on the cross for my sins. I confess you as Lord. And you can get inside that circle. And God is not a God of partiality. He doesn't play favorites. Anyone who comes to him, he will accept because he is a gracious, loving, merciful, kind God. That's true. Um, for us that are believers, we are told to grow in Christ. And it's a journey. It's a process. We're to grow in Christ. And in this, the Apostle Paul talks a lot about spiritual warfare. And spiritual warfare, a lot of times in Scripture is about taking every thought captive under the authority of Christ. To take lies and replace them with the truth. God has made our brains in such a way that they can be rewired. Now, this is not self-help. This is Christ's help. Because you can rewire it and change the way you think, but man, if you're turning one lie to another, what good is that going to do you? And boy, do we need the truth. Jesus also said this, at the end of the age, the mark of the end of the age would be deception. One of the key marks would be deception. Deception religiously, just it's going to be hard for people to see the truth. I didn't even hear the phrase fake news until like five years ago. And, and as I've gotten older, I'm going to be very, very, you know, very clear on this. 
I have to live according to this. And I don't do it perfectly, but I'm anchoring my soul on this because at least I know this is the truth. Because I can't trust anything I see anymore online or anything. But I know the word of God is what? Is true. The other thing that I'm going to say on the, on the get-go, and then I'm going to move um, quickly. And again, if I move too quickly, um, re-watch the sermons. Like if David ever moves too quickly, re-watch the sermons. We have a lot to say, but we don't have a lot of time. I mean, I've got more notes here than I'm going to be able to cover. And, um, and, and here's the thing. So watch, watch any of the sermons um, of any of the teachers here. Rewind it. Look at your scriptures. But I want to say this on the, on the get-go because this is absolutely true. All I really can do in, in, a, in the short time we have is I can proclaim the word of God and the truth. But the transformation and what I'm talking about here today is an active participation of you with the creator of the universe. And no sermon could ever do that. Because God wants us to be partners with him. Faith means believe and do. We're not saved by our doing. We're saved by our faith and belief in God. But God says, believe what? Do. Because we know if we believe something is true, will it show evidence in our life? But I also want to say this. I am so thankful, and I'm not thankful that, that this person did these things, but I'm thankful that David's life is in Scripture and Peter because, man, I don't do everything perfectly, and yet when I look at Scripture, I see people that didn't do everything perfectly, but yet I still know David was called a man after God's own heart, and Peter was very dear to the Lord. And by the way, do you think God is so small that he can't have, he can only have a couple of people in scripture really close to him? Or do you think he's infinite where he can treat all of his children like they're his favorites? Let's, let's look. If I were to do a little dot right here of the universe, I used to think in my mind that God was just outside the universe bigger than the universe. If I really did this right with the infinite God, I'd put a little dot here, and eventually the screen would pull out so far you couldn't even see the dot, and God's still there. The problem is sometimes we think God is too small. So let's, uh, all of that was to say, let's begin. Uh, let's go ahead and move to 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, which is that, the actual text. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge, ready, the knowledge of what? So that you know I'm biblical, all lies go against the knowledge of God. Therefore, if that is true, then the cure is knowledge of God. Ready? Bringing every thought into what? Captivity to the obedience of who? Christ. Now, this is extremely important. We're going to come back to this text. Slide, the next slide should be, um, can we go to the next slide? Okay, these are the attributes of God, some of them. 
Okay? And I'm going to turn back, I'm going to turn back here. These are the attributes of God, which means these things are true of God. What the scripture is, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's God so that we understand this God that we serve. He has revealed himself. He's revealed himself. And for those that are skeptics about the authority of the word of God, this book is so full of facts, archaeology, and history And this is oftentimes why people say, oh my gosh, reading Leviticus and the Old Testament can be boring sometimes. And my response is, praise the Lord, because that means it's actually got some facts and things like that. I've had enough students to say, when I read the history books, I fall asleep. This book is factual and true. Because it's revealing God in people's lives in reality on this earth. There, were, there was an Assyrian Empire. There was a Babylonian Empire. You've heard of Rome. You've heard of Greece. You've heard of Alexander the Great. Cyrus is mentioned. It's there. Now, I want to focus on a couple of these. Omnipresence. And omni means all. These are fancy words. But I'm going to recommend to you, if you ever want to chase this further, I'm going to recommend A.W. Tozer. Um, writings. He passed away in the early 60s, and he really, really focused on this. A.W. Tozer wrote a two-volume book called The Attributes of God, Journey into the Heart of the Father. I know it's on Kindle, and you know, but it's a book that breaks down these attributes in language that, that you don't need to go to Bible college to understand. Does that mean? Oh, almost said it. Okay. <laughs> okay. I want to focus on a couple of these. Omnipresence means God is present everywhere. Omniscient means he knows everything. Now, for him to know everything means he has to be present everywhere. So the question is, it's not is God's presence here. The question is, am I present here? Change. Immutable. Well, let me get to immutable. Mercy and grace. He is love with all of it. He's good. He's good, which means evil can't get away with it. So God said, okay, how can I be a merciful God and love these creatures and yet still be holy and just? I've got the answer. I'll send my son to die for them. That justice will be served and my grace and love can fall and I am still the mighty God of love. Do you see it? No other faith on the planet answers the questions, how can a righteous, holy God justify a sinner? The sinner somehow works their way? That's karma. Yeah, you may do 10,000 good things, but you still did those things that were wrong, and those things that are wrong still must be accounted for, or evil isn't punished and good doesn't mean anything. But the cross says it's all under the blood of Christ. When David repented of his great sin, he didn't say, Lord, forgive me because I'm such a nice guy. He says, Lord, according to your loving kindness and mercy, have compassion and blot out my iniquity. I appeal to you. That's why David was called a man after God's own heart. Because he knew God's heart. Because he knew God. And yet... And boy, did that help him later on in life. (laughs) God is immutable. He does not change. 
Boy, if he did, mm, boy, would we be in trouble. Now, when Moses asked God his name at the burning bush, the answer from God was very simple. I am that I what? I am this. God is all of these things. I could do 10,000 sermons. In fact, I'm going to be learning about these things for the rest of eternity. And the more I learn and God peels back the onion of who he is, I'm going to find out that this God is the greatest treasure in the universe. And I don't even like the statement I just said. He's the greatest treasure, period. The universe is just something he made. And I'm concerned about a truck and stuff when I could have him? That's kind of silly. That's like in the words of C.S. Lewis. And this is Acts Church, so I need to quote C.S. Lewis up here. That's like C.S. Lewis saying, you're playing in a mud puddle in England when you could have an all-expense-paid trip to Hawaii. That's silly. The next slide, and this is a very important piece of theology that I went over. Colossians 1.15. He is the invisible God, the firstborn. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all of creation. And is speaking about Jesus. The Father sent the Son, and it is the Son that we worship and we glorify the Father. And in worshiping and, and the Lord Jesus being Lord, we glorify the Father. And you're saying, well, that's awfully complex. I'm thankful it's complex because I don't want to understand God completely because that means my mind is... I want a God who blows my mind. Yet I do understand it to a degree. Three in one. I will tell you this, you look at the Gospels and you look at Jesus and you look at what he said plainly, you really look at what he says and you're going to find he just says one mic drop after another. Now, next slide, Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, he doesn't need to change, therefore he must be perfect, and if he's perfect, he must be God. Now we go to Ephesians 6.10, and again, I'm moving quickly so I can get to the, to the practical parts. This is the armor of God, and I'm not going to go through the armor. I'm going to mention it, and it'll be in the video and everything like that. We wrestle against dark rulers and principalities. This is spiritual warfare. Okay, now if we go to the next slide on the armor. And let's go to the, yeah, there it is. You start going through the pieces of armor. It begins with the truth. It ends with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, and the helmet of salvation, getting a picture of the Roman army. And at Acts Church, we also know that means that the church is a shield wall because all of us are to be together and help each other, Okay. Now, the armor of God is a very famous, um, well-known passage in spiritual warfare. Okay? I want to make a connection here to the next slide. Romans chapter 13, 
And do this, knowing the time, that now is the high time to awake out of sleep. Sleeper awaken. For now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. That's true. None of us even know if we're going to be here tomorrow. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of what? The armor of what? The armor of God, the armor of light, the word of God, the sword of the spirit, the belt of truth. Let us walk properly as the day, not reveling in drunkenness, nor lewdness, nor lust, not in strife or envy. Verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. I want to suggest to you that the armor of God is Christ. He is our armor. And would you think that it could be no other way? It's him. It's him. The more that he shapes our thinking, the more truth we think, the less powerful the enemy is in our lives. The enemy launches a lie. We hold up Jesus, the shield of what? Faith. Because we wear the shoes of the gospel of peace because we're reconciled through, to God through the cross and with other people. We don't live in lust and all of this because we have truth that guards our vital organs. It's him. It's all understanding who he is in our lives. The next slide is one of my favorite scriptures. And I always love this picture. It will be Matthew eleven twenty nine. That's okay. I'll tell you what the picture is. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, Jesus says this. Take my yoke upon you and learn. Oh, there it is. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am gentle, lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Is that a promise or what? Now, a yoke is the wood. It's when you put two animals together to double the power. Now, here's the thing. If you don't know Christ, you're going through this life by yourself. It's much better if you've got him with you with all his attributes and character. Amen. And notice what Jesus said in the imagery. Take my yoke. I'm going to go through it with you. Which means you're going to do the work too, but I'm going to be your leader and help you through it. Because this is a partnership between you and your creator. That's a beautiful image. You mean the creator of the universe wants to be yoked with me? Yep. And God's not a God of partiality. He doesn't treat some people more favored than others. Anyone who draws unto him, he's there. So if you want to be there, draw, not, draw close to what? God, it's that simple. I love that picture. All right, so let's go back 
to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I want to leave this up here, and this is the last slide, because I want to talk about application. Now, I have some questions here, and these questions were actually asked of me as I was learning to tear down. The Lord was beginning to diagnose a lie that I had believed for 48 years of my life. It crippled me. And the Lord, does somebody very close to me ask me these questions? And again, this will be the last slide up because I didn't put these on this slide. Glenn, do you want to grow closer to the Lord? Do you want to see the lies fall to the truth in your story? Are you tired enough yet to say, help me, Lord, with all your heart? Are you willing to believe and do the hard work, but with the Lord to grow and heal? Moses could not follow God without standing in front of Pharaoh. Noah could not follow God without building an ark. Daniel could not follow God without being thrown in a lion's den. And Jesus could not follow the Father unless he went to the cross. All of those, there was hard work, but God took them through it. Believe, do. You see, one of my favorite movies is Lord of the Rings. I'm kind of hobbitish. And I love the movies because I love what Tolkien did. You know Tolkien was a believer. And you know that he helped witness to C.S. Lewis. They were friends, besties. In Tolkien's book, it's not the destination of destroying the ring that is important. It's the journey. It's the fellowship of growth through trials as those hobbits, Gandalf, Aragon, as they all draw close together. We grow through process. The reason why God isn't always going to, the reason why God, some, he can, and sometimes he does, but sometimes why God makes us go through tough things in this life it's because if he snapped his fingers and did it quickly, we would not grow closer to him in the process. We are all process learners, folks. And our stories aren't done. The process is hard when we go through it, but on the other side is some of the greatest learning. When you go through something and you look back, you carried me through that, and, the Lord, and you know that the Lord did, and you realize the creator of the universe carried you through it. I can tell you this right now, that's worth more than any of all the money in the world. It's true. And I'm not strong enough to know that I can't go through this life by myself. That's a myth. That's a, that's a, that's a, we need, you know, we're, we're needy creatures, okay? Now, my wep our weapons are mighty in the Lord because they're Christ. Prayer. You know what prayer really is? Just talking with the creator. Well, I'm not good at prayer. I'm not good with English. Stop it. Just talk to him. And by the way, 
God doesn't care what verbiage you use. He does care, are you being honest with yourself and him? That's all he cares about. So whenever somebody ever says, I don't know how to pray, yes, you do. Just be honest and talk. And I know you know how to talk because I've talked with you. There is no degree in prayer except is your heart right? And by the way, the other thing too, our weapons are mighty, but the other thing too is be patient. We got to get rid of our Americanism. We've got to become a patient people knowing that sometimes the best things in life take time. And we can't put God on the timetable and then get disappointed when he doesn't meet our timetable. Who do we think we are? God? What do you mean it took so long to do that? I want it right now. And God's saying, well, first you're going you're gonna to learn a little bit here. <laughs> Folks, you, we've got to understand in America, the mark of America, and, and listen, you, you may be thinking, well, gee, the preacher's picking on America. No, I'm born on the 4th of July. I love my country, but there's a few things that annoy me about it. And one is we're really an impatient people. You know how I know that's true? Take American teenagers to a foreign country. And watch them complain. It's embarrassing. We, we didn't even want to wait for food, so we invented what kind of food? Fast food, which isn't even that good. We just put so many spices and things in it to make it tolerable, and then we don't even give ourselves time to eat. Uh, when I, I, went to, I went to Paris. I was in Paris on one of my school trips, and I'm sitting there, and we, we budgeted 45 minutes for, for lunch, and the, and the maitre d' comes out about 10 minutes after we sat down and came over, you want some water, came back 10 minutes later, and about 40 minutes went by, and we don't have our, have our, have our food yet, and I went up there, and I said, hey, you know, we're kind of in here, and he goes, I know, you're Americans. <laughs> I'm just trying to teach you to sit down and enjoy your food and life a little bit. Uh-huh. Was he right? Oh, they were back there. He goes, we've been laughing at you guys for the last 40 minutes. <laughs> we're so impatient. With J.G. Wentworth, give me my money. I want it now. You know, it's like, what? Um, if we're going to take every thought captive, if we're going to see the truth transform our lives, it will take some time. The reason why it takes time, folks, is because deep learning takes time. Discover, as we do this, Jesus also said, ask, seek, and knock. And do we all understand that God always answers prayer? It's either yes, no, or not to know. But every prayer is answered. And by the way, I want to make a statement on prayer, and I, I, it's going to sound wrong when it comes out, but just will you listen to my explanation? I don't believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of God. It's who I pray to. Because a lot of people pray on earth, but they don't pray to the living God. Now, please understand me. Do I believe in the power of a praying person to the right God? 
Yes, it's, it's our weapons. But I believe in God and all of his attributes and his goodness. So yes, are we all clear? I do believe that prayer is important. We're, okay, good. Yes. Okay. All right, so let's go through four scenarios. And I, I, I think I have time. So as you take every thought captive, discover the lie. And by the way, I'll, I'll give you a wee bit of suggestion. Holy Spirit, help me to know the truth. Search me, try me, and know me, and tell me if there's any wicked way in me or any lie. Psalm 139. Who prayed it? David. Know me. Search me. See, prayer. But it's not the words that are the power. It's the power of God. Scenario number one, worry. Gosh, I was worried about this message this morning at Starbucks as I was typing, don't worry. It's hilarious. <laughs> worry. You ever worry about worry? I have. You ever had any? Listen, I know depression and anxiety are real things. I've had anxiety that out of the blue. And I've suffered from depression through my life a little bit here and there. And I know there's real things. I know there's chemicals and this and that. But I also know that some of it, may, some of it is probably fear. What is worry? Worry is fear. Fear that it's not going to be okay. Isn't it? When God said it will be okay. But let's, let's look at our life ends. James is very clear. Our lives here are like a vapor. We're going to live forever. Eventually, we're going to live so long in eternity that we're going to look back and our time on earth is going to get smaller, 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 smaller. So if you're beating yourself up, I don't have it all quite figured out yet. I'm still working. You got to understand, you're gonna, it's going to be a long process. And the truth of the matter is, when you're in glory, you're going to realize... What I went through here makes sense because everything must be in context. Dory, not done. Worry. Well, when you worry, and, and I'm not saying we don't have concerns. We're told we, we're told we are going to worry. What do we do? First Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares upon him for he what? Cares for you. So we're to go in prayer and cast our what? Like casting a net. And then we need to realize that when we begin to worry, we need to take that thought captive because worry really in the end of the day is saying God's not truthful. It's an attack on his character. Isn't it? None of us would walk into the throne room of God and say, God, you're, you're not telling the truth. I mean, if you would, you got bigger problems. This sermon's, you know. Well, none of us would do that. But yet, when we worry and when we do that, it, are we saying that? I've caught myself doing that. Would you like the cure? All of the attributes of Jesus Christ, you believe them, not just here, but deep in here, where you could just look around and say, I'm not worried. The ship is sinking. It'll be an uncomfortable couple of minutes, but then I'll be in glory. 
I don't know if I'm going to get that job. And believe me, I've been there too. The Lord said he would take care of things. Cares about us. Can I tell you one other thing, really important? In the scripture, there's the phrase in English idiom, the apple of one's eye. The apple of, the, that, what is it called? The apple of the eye of the apple, whatever. You guys know what, yeah? Okay. The apple of my eye. And that's the English idiom because it's, but it's from a Hebrew idiom that we don't have an English equivalent for. And in the Hebrew, it literally says this. That God looks at his children so closely that all he can see is them and his pupil. You are the apple of God's eye. Each and every one of us, if we're in Christ. And God is big enough to have a lot of apples in his eyes. Worry. Study the attributes and character of God. Study Christ. Quote the truth. Are we ready? Worry. I'm worried. My God shall supply all the things I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Glenn's worrying again. I, I'm not going to want. He's going to take care of it. You see what I'm doing? By the way, when Jesus was tempted three times by Satan, what did Jesus respond with? It is written. The lie, and Jesus said, uh-uh, here's the truth. He showed us. I'm worried. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Doesn't mean I'm going to get all those iPhone products, but I'm, I'm going to be fine. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are, and I know it. It may take me a year to get some of those worries out of my brain as the Lord transformed me, but by golly, I'm standing on the character and attributes of God. I may not go out to a nine-foot giant like Goliath, but I'm walking out there and facing the giant of worry that attacks the very character and attributes of my Lord, and I will say, it is written, cast my cares upon him, for he cares for me. And because I know he's omnipresent, omniscient, all-powerful, will not change, and all the other attributes, he's true. Scenario number one. Scenario number two. And I'm just doing these scenarios to show you. But in dealing with worry, how much prayer time is there involved in this? Is there study involved in this? Is there meditating involved on the, in this? Is there learning to quote the truth involved? In, yes, because we grow in a process. But what are you doing when you do this? You are putting on Christ the armor of God over your life. Because the power of the enemy is in lies. Scenario number two, God loves them more than me. Look at their lies and then look at mine. You ever had that thought? I have. Oh, that's great. God moves in their lives and there's me. 
the cosmic screw-up. God, you love them, but not me. You move in their lives, but not me. Oh, look at, ready? That's a lie. You're the apple of God's eye. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 10. For the Lord your God is God of gods. There's no other God. And Lord of lords, the great God. I love that. The what? The great God. Mighty and awesome. Do you see the attributes? Ready? Who shows no partiality and takes no bribe. In fact, aren't we told in the book of James, don't favor the rich person over the poor person and show partiality? You're the apple of God's eye. And you are, and you are, and you are, and you are, and I am. And he's concerned about what's going on in your life. And he's a big enough God that he can have billions and trillions of apples of his eyes. He's not a man. He's not a parent that can only focus on one child at a time. And notice he not, does not pick favorites. That would make him partial. All he wants is to draw you in. And you may be going through something because he wants to reveal himself in your life so deeply in your story. Scenario number three. God has let me down in my life. God, where were you? You live long enough on this planet. You, you're going to see sometimes believers go through horrendous things. And the, the temptation is, where is God? Folks, the story's not done. Implied in that lie is God is not good. Yes, he is. The story is not done. The book hasn't been written completely. We don't know the end. Therefore, we can't judge the author if the book's not done. And you shouldn't judge the author anyway because he's God and you're not. That's his chair. <laughs> it's his throne. <laughs> I'm not sitting there. Who do, you, who do I think I am? <laughs> you ready for a couple of really cool scriptures? You number my wanderings. <laughs> Gosh, you know where I go. <laughs> and you put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Revelation, that's the end of the story, which is really the beginning of the next chapter. But it's the end of this part of the story. He will what? He will wipe those tears away. He will complete the healing. But make sure when he does, when he does it, we will all say the same thing. Glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Scenario number four. Hang on, let me make sure. And when God let down, I, and I want to be careful here. I am not saying that the pain isn't real. 
I've lived long enough to know pain can be real. Emotional, psychological, physical. The loss of loved ones. Dreams being crushed. Fear. But I know this. He's greater than those. And I want to be the man at the end of my day that says, I trust the Lord. Faith, faith is the art of holding on to my, what my reason is once accepted as true despite my changing moods. C.S. Lewis. And by the way, didn't Jesus promise that we would go through tough things? Persecution, the world's going to hate us. You know why it hates us? Because they hated him. In fact, he said, take up your what? Cross. But to go through life yoked with the Savior and letting him guide your life with the truth of who he is, with all the attributes, it's easier than if you went through it alone because everybody on this planet is going to face the shadow of death. The question is, are you going to be with him or alone? You don't want to be what? Scenario number four, I cannot forgive others. They hurt me. Do you know everything? Then let God be God because he is the final judge. He's the only one that can judge. Because he knows everything. And he's fair and just and not partial. Therefore, let God be God and you be a creature. But, 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 yes. But do you want God to treat you that way? Oh, no, 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 no. I want him to forgive me. Okay. And show some compassion for your fellow creatures and realize it's not your jurisdiction to be the judge. Now, you can tell somebody you're breaking the word of God. You're not judging them. You're telling them God's word says this. But you're not their judge. But they should tremble at the word of God. And we do let, need to let people know, you don't know Christ. You're going to face eternal justice without an advocate. It, we, it, we, no. You want to go up and go, well done, good end, faithful servant. Come in, my child. In the book of Revelation, here's a white stone with a name on it that you and I will only know together. Jesus said that. Because you are the apple of, and here's your new name. Not the name your parents gave you, but the name of the living God who knows you completely will give you a name. Mm. You know anything about naming children? It's pretty powerful, isn't it? Because they're stuck with it for the rest of their lives. I mean, seriously, my name means a sloping patch of grass. That's what Glenn means, a sloping patch of grass. Right? 
You want it? You want it? You want to? I got to put some humor in this. You want a really cool thing? I live on Grass Valley. (laughs) (laughs) Sloping patch of Grass Valley. Welcome home, Glenn. I mean, you can't make this up. It's funny. It's hilarious, actually. (laughs) When I got my new address, Grass Valley, it fits. Can I go to one more scenario I didn't think I'd have time for? Can, would you give me three more minutes? And then I'll wrap this up. <sighs> I don't believe that the, word of God, the Bible's the word of God. Okay. No, no, I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying the lie. Okay. <laughs> I'll never preach again. <laughs> Let me say this as emphatically as I can. I'll take off my hat. Just, just make sure. The Bible is the word of God. Okay. Now, when someone says, I don't believe the Bible is the word of God, well, let's stop and let's analyze this for a second. Do you really believe that God doesn't have the power to speak his word into his own creation and secure it through all time? Do you really believe God doesn't have that power? Well, that's a really puny God, but he does have that power. And here's the other thing, too. Online and in here, I will tell you this, and there's just no time, but I know there will be others who will say this. This book authenticates itself because the author of it is outside of time. The way it was designed and how it was put together and the prophecies and fulfillment in here, the author of this is outside of time. The problem is most people that say this isn't the word of God have never studied it. And, and I mean, I could talk to you for the next 70 years about all the things in there. In closing, let me wrap this up. And I want to summarize this two part this way. In closing, the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. His power is in lies. The armor of God is Christ with all of the attributes, the infinite, absolute, personal, triune God with all of those things. To understand and start seeing and and knowing, not just here, but here, that God is who he says he is, will drive the lies away. And we're going to start living that life that he talked about because Jesus Christ is Lord. And Lord means jurisdiction and sovereignty over everything. But in order to start tearing down and taking every thought captive, it's not going to be a quick fix because God doesn't do that. He teaches us through a process so the deep learning happens. And it takes prayer on your knees. Holy Spirit, guide me. Why was the Spirit of God sent? He's our teacher. He knows how to reach us. And when? Human teachers, not so much. Spirit of God, wow. 
and the word of God. This is the truth about the revealed God of the universe. Study it, know it, and look in the lives of people that are already living. You're going to find out he's not partial. Everyone that calls on him is the apple of his eye. You draw close to God, he'll draw close to you. And what you will find is this world has no answer for this life, but the believer in Jesus Christ does. That the cross stands as a testimony of all of the attributes of God because at the end of the day, he is a God of love. And on the third day, the final victim of God's power was death when he arose again as first fruits. Why first fruits? Because we're all going to rise again when the harvest is done. Not because of us, but because of Jesus Christ. Now, online or in here, if you're saying, look, I need to hear more. I need, I need to sit down with somebody. Put Susan Vanderplug to work at the phones. Talk to somebody. I can't tell you how many years I sat in church and was afraid to talk to somebody about a lie I believe because I was afraid they would tell me that I couldn't be saved. So I sat there and cringed. And just the night I finally got up the guts to say, I got to know the answer of it, things began to change. Don't stay silent. Talk to somebody. I will tell you this. God loves you as much as he loves anybody else. He is not a partial God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you control times and histories and brought forth the Son at the proper moment. It was you who called the Roman Empire into existence. It was you that said to Alexander the Great, Come! You are the answer. We thank you so much. And Lord, as we prepare to take communion, I just pray that you would just bless us and draw, these, draw every, all of us together. I have so much more journey to go. Thank you for the future things you'll teach me and thank you for the things that you're going to teach all of us. In Jesus' name, amen.